All right, I'm Paige. I'm an addict. Hi, Paige. I'm grateful to be here with you guys today. There's something about coming to Cambridge, coming to the Soka region, which I don't know about you, but for me, is it feels like coming home. Yeah. You know, like I've, I've got friends in this room. I've got people that I genuinely love and care about, and some that I'm meeting in person for the first time. And, like, how cool is that, right? And so the, the format of the meeting is normally a little different, uh, but then I showed up and sort of ruined the whole thing. <laughs> Which, I mean, I've been known to do, uh, but what, what was going to be read today was in and around the chapter, there's a solution. So I thought if you guys were open, what we could do is kick this whole thing off with the big book bounce around. Are you guys in for that? Woo! And if, yeah! I shouldn't woo my own ideas. That's a little, it's a little self-serving. What a good idea. Also, if you're like, some of you are like, oh no, it's going to be a big book bounce around. I know what that is. Some of you don't. And if you don't, that's okay. It's because I made it up. <laughs> so, uh, so if you have your book to hand, grab it, and we'll, we'll go through it together. And if you don't have your book to hand or you don't have a book of Alcoholics Anonymous yet, we'll get you one after the meeting. And I'm going to read it. I'm not going to be like, as the book says, and then skip over. I'm going to read it. Because, I mean, that would be a little pretentious, right? <laughs> Try not to be that. Anywho, so... Where I'm going to kick off is at the very bottom of page 25. So if you got your book to hand, let's go there. But again, if you don't have one, don't worry. And it's very bottom paragraph. It says, if you're as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe that there is no middle-of-the-road solution. I don't know about you, but when I got here, I was kind of hoping I was not as seriously alcoholic or addicted as you guys. You know what I mean? I was hoping that I like flew into these church basements after a series of unfortunate oopsie doopsies and whoopsie daisies that had nothing really to do with my, you know, alcoholism and drug addiction. And I thought I had a series of andas. You know what I mean? Like I'm an addict anda. And again, I'm sure none of you wonderful people in Cambridge can relate to this, but I also showed up with a whole bucket, a bucket of yeah buts. Because that's what we, you know, the unit of yeah buts is a bucket. Uh, and you know, I'm an addict or I've got a bit of a drug problem, got a bit of a drinking problem. Yeah, but. Yeah, but I'm young. Yeah, but my ex, he's way worse than me. Yeah, buts, right? So I, I came in with a whole bunch of those. And then I would do this thing, and I know you wonderful, lovely people in the Soka region would never do this, ever. But I would do it, and it's called judging the speaker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I would listen to some jerk like me, Nataran, and be like, whoa, I'm way worse than that gal. Or some jerk like me, and I would think, whoa, not as bad as her. And I would look for all the ways that I didn't fit and the ways that I didn't belong. And you see, when it says, if I am as seriously alcoholic, as seriously addicted as, as you were, there is no middle-of-the-road solution. And I was hoping for a middle-of-the-road solution. I was kind of hoping I had some diet addiction, and I could do some Cocaine Anonymous light. You know what I mean? I, was, I wasn't going to have to do all the things that you guys had to do, you know, just keep it diet. And then it goes on to say we were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And in that sentence, for me, it's like, how did you know? And life was impossible for me once I started to use. And life was impossible for me once I put the substances down. It's how did you know life was becoming impossible? And it says if we had passed into the region from which there's no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. 
okay, we got some choices. Let's see what they are. <laughs> One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. And the other, to accept spiritual help. I gotta find out if I am one of those people that is beyond human aid, because those don't look like good options, you know what I mean? All right, so where would I go? Where would I go in the book if I wanted to know if I have this illness? Well, I can start by going across the page, bottom of page 24, because we're not gonna bounce around too hard. I'm just kidding, we're gonna do a big bounce after this. Woo! You know, I got here, and like when I came to Cocaine Anonymous, when I came to 12 Step, I. I was really attached to the idea of being cool. <laughs> That's gone. <laughs> I don't care. Woo, bottom of 24, rock and roll. And so it says, when this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, addict tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. Uh-oh, beyond human aid. And, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. Okay, so what is it to be an individual with alcoholic or addicted tendencies? Well, ooh, that wasn't me. Uh, well, let's take a big bounce, go over to page triple X. And it's triple X in the book. I always, I always think of like the Vin Diesel movie that came out in the early 2000s. Are we going to be jumping out of a helicopter on a snowboard pulling a parachute? No, but we're reading about the five types of alcoholics and go just below that. I don't, I don't know what that reference was either. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I had an early morning. And you would think it would diminish my energy. That seems to be the opposite. Woo! Welcome. We were just talking about you. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is a nightmare. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> so what does it mean to be an individual with alcoholic tendencies? Well, it says all of these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking or for our purposes, they cannot start drinking or using without developing the phenomenon of craving. So I don't know about you, but let me tell you what happens to me. Anytime I take anything, and this girl, I really do mean anything, mind-altering, there's two things that happen to me. And the first thing that happens to me is this. Ah, oh, yeah. Peace, ease, comfort. Oh, you know that screaming that comes from the depth of your soul? It's a little worrisome you do. Uh, but that, that gets quiet. To misquote a part of our book, it's like a new world comes into view. Oh. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. If that was the only thing that was a little weird about my reaction to drugs, I would not be here. <laughs> I couldn't afford the plane ticket, that's for sure. Uh, that'd be gone. Uh, but like, I'd be out there doing that. You know what I mean? Because that worked up. Oh, felt good. It was amazing. It was my solution for life. But you see, the phenomenon of craving is I take that drink, I take that hoot, I take that pill, I take that drug, and there's a little switch that flips off in the back of my head, and it tells me more. And the more that I drink and use, the louder that more gets. See, I start using, and it screams at me, take another. And it yells at me until I've had another, and another, and another. See, I'm the type of gal, I'll go out for, you know, three drinks like a lady. <laughs> we already know, that's not where my evening's ending, right? I'm pissing my pants behind a dumpster smoking crack with the guy I just met. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, if, if you relate, it might be in the right place. Uh, <laughs> see, I start going, and I can't control the amount that I take. And I, I want you to know, like, 
That doesn't happen to me with other substances. So I had an early morning, a flight, long drive. I, I took a Pepto-Bismol. And then I didn't slam back Peptos until it was gone. And be like, Kate, pull over. We've got we to gotta stop off in Brunsville or wherever the heck we were. I need Pepto. You know what I mean? Not once has that ever happened. I also, my stomach, hence the Pepto, doesn't handle a lot. Uh, my stomach stopped handling coffee. I do want you to feel bad about that. Like, I really want the validation, the sympathy. Thank you. Uh, and so I've had to switch to Earl Grey tea, which if you're wondering, it's not the same. It's not. But I'll start my day with an Earl Grey tea. And I don't ever go on a three-day Earl Grey tea bender. I'm not drinking all the tea bags in the house. I'm not going in the pantry, opening up the box of chamomile and snorting it, because it'll be the same. I've just never done that. So my reaction is abnormal. And you see, the more that I use, the more that I have to use, and I can't control the amount that I take. And you know, the result of that lack of control, there's some stuff that happens to me. I start to burn my life to the ground. I start to cross these lines in the sand I said I would never cross. I do things I never wanted to do. Things start to happen to me that I never imagined would happen to me. My life becomes one that is absolutely unrecognizable to me. I can't look myself in the mirror and I hate who I am and I hate what I've become. And so that's what it means to be an individual with alcoholic or addict tendencies. Going back to page 24, that sounds like me. I got those alcoholic or addict tendencies. And it says when this sort of thinking what is the thinking they're talking about? Well, I can pop over to the top of page 24 in italics. The squiggles, squiggly writing. And it says, yeah, squiggles. Also, at any point in this book, if we see the squiggles, it's not just important because it's italics. It's important because it, in the 1930s, when it was published, they had to pay extra money to like, change the font in the, in the printing process. So that means about 100 drunks agreed to spend money on it. <laughs> and if you don't know what a miracle that is, please get involved in local service. <laughs> this is your call to join another kind of flight and get involved and make some motions. Pew, pew, pew. Also really good if you're missing the drama of your active alcoholism. Service. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Head, head up the soca meetings. Woo! And I'm, so, I'm not helping. <laughs> Poor TJ's like, I gotta go there once a month. Don't do this to me. <laughs> but uh, so it says the fact is, the fact is that most alcoholics, most addicts, for reasons yet obscure, we don't know why, have lost the power of choice in drink. I've lost the power of choice in whether I use or not. And that's an important thing for me to understand because I don't know about you, but I, I relapsed a whole, a whole bunch of times before I even got here. And I thought it was because I was bad. I thought it was because I was weak. I thought it was because I, didn't, I wasn't of good character. I thought it was because I just didn't want it enough. And if that's you or that sounds like you, that's not you if you have this illness. I have lost the power of choice in drink. I've lost the power of choice in drugs. I am hopeless. And what does that look like? Well, it says 
uh, our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. That willpower that I have in so many other areas of my life, it's gone. I don't have it when it comes to not taking the first drink. I don't have it when it comes to not taking the first drug. And it says we are enabled at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory and the suffering, of, and suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. You know what happens to me when I, am as, when I am sober as I am today, but my illness is untreated? What happens is I get a thought. And that thought happens in my mind. And there's two things you need to know about the thought that happens to me. The first is that a, it is a lie. And the second is that I can't see that it's a lie. And you see, that thought is a little something like this time will be different. It's something like nobody will ever know. I'm going to go out for three drinks. Or I'm just going to spend $300. Or my, pro- my problem is that I don't drink like a lady, but I'll let you know I can smoke crack like a lady. <laughs> Some of you are aware. Uh, <laughs> or, my, listen, the problem is that I'm smoking crack a little unladylike, but I can hold my liquor. You know what I mean? It looks like if you're feeling the way that I was feeling, you'd have to get loaded too. It looks like, man, I'm going to kill myself anyways. If this is how I feel sober, what's the point? It looks like the effort. Maybe FCA, F the book, F my sponsor, F my life, F my family. I need to get loaded. That's what it looks like. And you know, it talks about on page 24 what we just read, that I'm, I'm unable to play the tape to the end. Man, I thought that I was bad because I couldn't think through it. You know, anyone ever hear play the tape to the end? Let me tell you about that. See, I start playing the tape to the end. You know what happens? I imagine myself. I'm in a red e- sequin evening gown. <laughs> you guys can already tell it's delusional. Never in my life. But I... I'm sitting on a grand piano. (laughs) There's a chandelier and a candelabra. I've got a glass of like a Chardonnay or a champagne. And I've got those long gloves on. And I've got that cigarette holder. And because this is a Cocaine Anonymous meeting, it's got a crack pipe. And I am just going to town like a lady. You know? What's the reality? My pants are wet. I'm behind the dumpster. I'm with this gentleman I don't know. I know. Why did I call him a gentleman? I just met the guy. I shouldn't pass judgment. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Right? So that's the reality. But I can't see the truth from the false. And you know, you can bounce around with me to page 37 if you want. But on page 37, it talks about how parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran this insanely trivial excuse to take the first drink. And on page 37, what what it's like is, has anyone here ever seen the movie Tron? That's great, I haven't. imagine that movie Tron where they're racing on the motorcycles and one of those motorcycles is that same thought I don't want to do it again I love my family I love you know the people that I don't want to hurt like I don't want to hurt myself I don't want to do it again I want to stay sober I don't want to pick up that's that same thought but it's racing this time will be different it's racing nobody will ever know And given enough time it's not a matter of if it is a matter of when that insane thought will always win I, was, I, was, I do a step study on Thursdays, and uh, we were joking about the difference between a race car and a race car bed. The reality is the mental obsession is a Formula One race car, and me trying to play the tape to the end is a race car bed. You know, I'm not going very far, and it'll work for a little bit, but man, 
that actual vehicle where the wheels are turning and it's moving, it will win. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that is my step one experience. So going back to the bottom of page 24, when this sort of thinking, uh-oh, I have that sort of thinking. I have examples in my life where I said I don't want to do it again, and I did it again. It's fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies. That's me. Once I start, I can't control the amount I take. He has probably placed himself beyond human aid and, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. That's me. And so I got to go over to page 25 if you're seriously alcoholic as we were, looking like I am. We believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there was no return through human aid, that's me. I've got but two alternatives. And this is my reality, two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter ends, blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation as best I could. And the other to accept spiritual help. I want you to know it was a tough choice. I wasn't jazzed about the spiritual help. I, did you guys see the spiritual help? It looks like a lot of actions that I don't want to take. It looks like praying. Ugh. Med and meditating. Gross. Looks like making amends. Even to my ex, ew. You know what I mean? It looks like telling people about some stuff. Oh, no, thank you. Helping other addicts. I mean, I want the praise for doing it, but are, have you met us? We're a little unreasonable, you know? Not always very punctual, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I wasn't a, it wasn't an exciting proposition, but it's important for me to understand. If I don't have this illness, I've got options. There's all these things I can do and all these things that I can try, but if I have this illness, I have two options. Alcoholic death, drug addict death and the living hell that I experienced up until that, or spiritual way of life. Diving into this work and this way of life like my life depends on it because it does. That's it. Those are my options. And you know, it's the black and white of my situation that allows me, when I accept the reality of that black and white situation, I can see the world as it really is and the colors and the grays that it exists with. But man, if I don't see that black and white, it's this or it's that, I'm in trouble. And I want you to know, if I do not choose, this is my experience, if I do not actively and intentionally choose a spiritual way of life, I've chosen the alcoholic death. So if I do not actively choose, I have chosen. That is my reality. But, but we have a solution. Top of page 25, it says, there is a solution. And, and I'm just going to go and describe what the solution looks like. And we're going to go basically from the bottom paragraph up a paragraph. The great fact. This is our solution. The great fact. Not the maybe wish. Not the keep coming back. Something might rub off on you. No. The great fact. Not theory. Not hope. Not wish. Not maybe. Not could be. Fact. Is just this and nothing less. Nothing less than this. That we have had. And who's writing this? It's the first 180 uh, members of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's that we have had. So it's, that's what they have had. But you want, I, this book, we talk about being an experience-based textbook. The thing about that is the more of us who do this work, who follow these directions, the more of us are included in that we. That we becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and more universal. We. We, today, here and now, have had deep and effective spiritual experiences. 
deep and effective. I needed something that was effective because I am doomed to use again. I am doomed to drink again unless I find something that is effective. And it says, which have revolutionized. This isn't a small change. This is a big change. Don't freak out about that. Just bear with me. Revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. Revolutionize the way I show up to life, the way I see the world. Revolutionize who I am. And it says the central fact, not theory, not wish, not an over there judging guy in the sky who hates me. No, the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty, absolute certainty, that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. There's two ways to read that. The other, that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. Two ways to look at that. Either way, God, one of the places in which God resides is within our heart. And it says he has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. You know what I could never, absolutely never do by myself? Permanent, contented sobriety. Never do that by myself. And man, so much more, so much more. I'm always reminded never to sell the power of God short, never to sell the power of these 12 steps short. See, not once in my life did I ever sell the power of booze or crack cocaine short. And actually, if you're wondering, Paige, I don't know if I could have faith. We can do a little show of hands. Anyone here ever taken a floor pill? If you, if you don't know what that is, we'll make sure everyone's on the same page. That is a pill that you found on the floor? Anyone ever take one of those? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, favorite kind, because it's not mine, it's somebody else's. Yeah, off we need that. Yeah, free pill. And here, here I'm saying, if you have taken a pill that you found on the floor, you got the capacity for faith. You can do that inventory. You know what I mean? Anyone here ever done, taken a car floor pill? That's a pill that you found on the floor of a car? All I'm saying is you can make those amends. You know, you can do it. Ain't no thing, right? And so I'm reminded never to sell that power short. Now, if you're new today and it's like, oh, God, she's talking about God. I felt that way, too. But I want want to give another description of what that spiritual awakening looks like, what that spiritual experience looks like. But I want to contrast it with something. Let's pop across the page to page 24 when it talks about the almost certain consequences of fellow taking even a glass of beer. They do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they're hazy and readily supplanted. That just means we're replaced with the old threadbare, that's the worn out idea, that this time I shall smoke crack like a lady, right? (laughs) And it says that there is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. It looks a little like this time will be different and I touch the stove. It looks a little like my problem is the stoves in Alberta, they're hot. But we're in Ontario. Ain't gonna be so hot, you know? Looks like, listen, I was, I was touching stoves with TJ, but I'm gonna touch some stoves with Kate. It'll be different this time, right? It won't. Uh, it looks like my stoves were electric, but I can touch those gas ones. It looks like if you felt the way that I was feeling, you'd have to touch the stove too. I'll only touch it for a moment. I can't see reality. Now let's pop over to page 84. That's in the very bottom paragraph, right below the line, love and tolerance of others is our code, even on the 401. Ah, I didn't mean to call some people out. (laughs) Love and tolerance of others is our code. And these are what we call the step 10 promises. So if 
me talking about a God, a power greater than yourself, you're not open to hold on to these. It says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, even drugs. For by this time, sanity will have returned. What does it mean for sanity to have returned? That thought to take that first one is gone. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. Step one, page 24, I can't stop myself from touching the hot stove. Page 84, I see it's hot, I know it's hot, I don't want to touch it. I recoil. And it says we react sanely and normally. And we will find that this has happened automatically. Automatically. I didn't work for it, I didn't earn it, it happened. Now, I, bear with me. I did have to take some actions that I didn't want to take. You'll notice we're in step 10, and we're talking about step 1. So what do I got to do? Take the steps up to, and then continuing, step 10 and 11, 12. But it says our, we will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe, and protected. I know about you, but when I got to that third step, I saw that word care. Right? I'm going to make a decision. That's what it is, a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understand God. Care. And at step three, I do not know if my will and my life will be cared for, but there it is, safe and protected. That is evidence of care. Anytime I'm not sure if there is a loving God, a power greater than myself that could care about me, I can look at this book and I can look at those promises. And deeper than that, anytime in my life I experience these promises, it becomes irrefutable evidence of God's care for me. And that is my experience. I live safe and protected in a position of neutrality. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. Our experience. That's what happens here. Don't settle. Don't settle for just a floor pill. You know what I mean? Don't, don't settle for the watered down or the heavily cut stuff. You know? Don't settle for uh, popcorn ceiling. You know? We, we got the good stuff here. You know what I'm saying. Some of you guys know what I'm saying. I mean, I would, I would never. I'm a lady. Right? Now, keep in mind... All these promises, they got some fine print. So here's the fine print. It says that is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. That's the fine print. I got to be at step 10, actively working the 10th step and continuing to keep in fit spiritual condition. And that is our experience. And that is our solution here in 12th step. That is our solution. Nothing less than a spiritual awakening. Now let's pop over to page, page 25. Right back, it's about 24, 25, that's what you guys were talking about, so that's what we'll talk about, you know what I'm saying? And it's top paragraph, there is a solution, it's in italics, there is. And depending on the room that I'm at, i got to emphasize different things, but regardless of the room, I always want to emphasize, there is a solution, there is. We have one. There is a solution. There's a solution if you're new. There's a solution if you've been in and out of this thing a while. There is a solution if you've been around this thing a little while, but the magic is gone. There is a solution. It goes on to say almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for successful consummation. You all know what that means? Almost none of us wanted to do the steps. 
almost none of us saw them on the wall. And we're like, oh boy, that sounds like a good idea. I'd love to do that, you know? And then there's some good news and some bad news in that. Do you know what the good news is? The good news is liking the steps is not a prerequisite for doing them. Wanting to do the steps is not a prerequisite for doing them. Thinking the steps will work is not a prerequisite for doing them. Thinking I'm worthy of the results that can happen in my life, not a prerequisite for doing it. Good motives, not a prerequisite for doing it. The bad news, I got to do it. (laughs) That's the bad news, guys. That's the bad news, but that's the good news. I don't have to wait. I can dive in. It does not take long to get well here. And And here's why. Here's why I would do the steps. Because again, they don't look super appealing. It says, but we saw that it really worked in others and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. So there's two things. The first thing that gets me open to taking actions out of this old blue book that I don't want to take and doing things that I don't want to do is I've come to the end of myself. I've come to the end of my, my good ideas, my skills, my aptitudes. Take care, guys. I love you. Sorry, I probably wasn't supposed to call attention to it. Oh, Vision, tell them I love them very much. And I love you guys, too, also very much. Sorry, where was I? Uh, so what gets me to take actions that I don't want to take, that I don't think will help, that I, I don't think applies to me? Let's say I've come to the end of myself. I I see the hopelessness and futility of life as I've been living it. I see that I only have the bitter ends. I see that I can't do it on my own. I'm in pain, I'm beaten, I'm broken. And see, that's not my job as a recovered member. That's addiction's job, to beat somebody down. What's my job as a recovered member? When it says we saw that it really worked in others. My job is nothing less than to show up as a demonstration of this program and God's power. I can get a little loud, but my job isn't to yell at you. My job is to live my life in such a way where that light shines through and you can see that there's a change that has happened to me that, that is undeniable and, and undescribable. That's my job. My job is, it talks on page 18, that his whole deportment shouts. I get a little loud. You probably have some hearing problems. I don't know why I'm loud. Oh, I should look at you. I know, I know you get loud too. We're homies. Chris and I were homies. We're a loud crew. It's not intentional. Yeah, loud crew. Woohoo! Um, loud crew. Pew pew. Yeah, Terry. Um, I am so sorry. Um, I will keep coming back, and I hope you do too. <laughs> and so, what's my job? My job is that my whole deportment, how I carry myself, how I live my life inside and outside the room, shouts that that is what is doing the shouting, that there is a real answer here. And it says, when therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, solved, I get to be recovered, not cured, but recovered, contingent upon actions I continue to take today. There was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. What are those? The 12 steps taken out of this book. That's it. That's all I got to do as a way of life. And I don't want to do it, but that's all I got to do to have that spiritual awakening. See, I work the steps and they take me to a power greater than myself. And that power relieves me of my insane thought to take the first drink or the first drug. And it says, we have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed. And I want to point something out. Rocketed. Eh? Ties in? Little rocket? Yeah? Rocketed. 
That implies some velocity. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sauntering into the... I don't saunter. You guys know. (laughs) I'm not sauntering into the fourth dimension of existence. No, I'm being rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence. And what is that fourth dimension? That's just a synonym for the spiritual awakening. That's what that means. And what, what I can take from Rocket at the time before this, we see the fourth dimension is a bill store and he was catapulted. They got a technological upgrade. Catapults to rockets. There's some jet fuel on this bad boy. You know? Woo! <laughs> yeah, I, whose fault is this? I think it's a group conscious decision, so you'll have to get involved in service and take it up with them. Uh, but that means it does not take long to get well. It does not take long to have a spiritual experience. It does not take long to recover in Cocaine Anonymous. It does not take long for those promises to come true. Why would I wait? And it says fourth dimension of existence of which we'd not even dream. So I'm, I'm stuck at this precipice, this precipice of my life. You know, right before the third step, it says we ask this protection and care with complete abandon. I've got to take this leap of faith and I don't know what's going to happen. But I don't know about you any time I've... Take it. I actually, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to tell the story. I got I, one of the gifts of my life being able to stay clean and sober is that I have a niece and a nephew, and they, they are the most incredible, wonderful kids. And I got to watch them grow up, and they've never seen me drink, they've never seen me use. And uh, when they were both toddlers, they would do this thing. And some of you guys might be parents or aunties or uncles or, you know, like toddlers will do this thing, they toddle, uh, and they will climb up to a piece of furniture that is way too high and they won't even look and they'll be like, Andy Page, catch! And then I gotta be like, oh my god, don't drop! Toddler, if you're wondering what this is, this is the coffee that I could drink at the time that I was trying not to spill. You know what I mean? And they would just dive in with complete abandon. They wouldn't even wait to see if I was looking, right? And why would they do that? Well, I know it's because they'd never been dropped. And that's my experience here in 12 Step. I've had to take some leaps of faith and I don't know who's gonna, I don't know who's gonna catch me, but I, I wasn't, we're bouncing around. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but what, who, who catches me? Well, let's pop over to page 100, if you, if you want. And it says, uh, this is working with others. And it's uh, the first paragraph, gra- gra- first paragraph, is a, I had to get up at 5 a.m. as the language is going, which might be a sign to wrap it up soon. I'll be mi- I'm mindful of the time. You're welcome. <laughs> but it says both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize the the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have imagined. See, when my niece and nephew would take that leap, they're Andy Page's hands and trying to not spill the coffee on them. You know what I mean? But when I take this leap of faith and dive into these 12 steps, whose hands am I landing in? I'm landing in God's hands. That's whose hands. And so I'm standing at this precipice. I don't know what's going to happen. But I have, I have to dive in. Do you think, what, what do you think? 5-2 uh, or don't, don't give me a number. Whatever. Well, okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sad. 
<laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story. And I, I always like to tell this. It's my hoarder's house story. It's, you know. And so it's when I'm standing at the precipice of step three, I'm looking down the rest of the steps and I got to make a decision. What's happened for me is I have got fired from the management position of my life. And I got a new job. Right? And in my new job, it, it, it says, like, uh, he is the principal, we are his agents. And what that means is an agent is somebody who is legally allowed to act on behalf of a principal. But that's not how I like to read it. I like to read it like Agent Page. Double O Page. Secret Agent Page. Pew, pew. Yeah. Where's my rocket? Where's my super spy watch? You know, where's my cool gadgets? Woo, Double O Page. Pew, pew, pew. So, what's my job? House cleaning. Oh. <laughs> and see, I don't know about you guys, but what, I, what do I have? At the depth of my soul, I got a spiritual house. Now, if you're going to pick up what I'm throwing down with this metaphor, please do. What I want you to know is at the depth of your soul that you have a spiritual house. All my metaphors are consensual. You do not have to have a spiritual house if you don't want one. But at the depth of my soul, I have a spiritual house. And you have a spiritual house. And what I want to tell you about your house is that your house is good. Your house is worthy. Your house is valuable. Your house has been created by the most incredible, wonderful, capital D, capital A, divine architect. Now, I'm not talking about your houses anymore. I'm talking about my house. Problem is, I'm a bit of a hoarder. (laughs) It's bad, you guys. Like, call in TLC, call in the cameras. You know, it is bad. You can smell it down the block. I am a hoarder. Now, again, we're just talking about my house, not your house. Right? My house, not yours. I got these things. I know you wonderful, lovely people in Cambridge can't possibly relate to this. But they're called resentments. And they're little like newspapers that are decades old. I know, I have been alive for decades. We can pluralize it. Um, And they are decades old. And they're piled all the way from floor to ceiling. And you know what happens when those newspapers are piled all the way from floor to ceiling? It blocks out the windows. And it blocks out the light. And that light can't come in. And I'm sitting in darkness. And I know I'm the only one here. I got these things and they're called fears. Right? I know, the only one. And they're like these empty bottles and cans that are strewn all over the floor. See, I'm in darkness. I can't see where I step. I can't see where I stand. And they clank and clatter and bang and sound bigger and louder than they really are. And I know I'm alone with this. I got some sex conduct. (laughs) It's a little like the dead cats behind the freezer. You know they're there. You can smell them. (laughs) I also want to preface this. No cats were harmed in the making of this spiritual metaphor. All metaphorical cats are safe and sound. All is well. And so what do I got to do? I got to clean up. I got to clean up that house. And so what I do is in the fourth step, I'm pulling those newspapers down one by one. And I'm pulling them down. And you know what I have a look at? Y'all know the news was wrong the whole time. I thought it said extra, extra. Y'all were jerks. I was the jerk. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) And that's where the freedom lies. And as I pull down those newspapers, that light begins to come in through the windows. And I love the metaphor as God is light. Because light is not what I see. Light is the way in which I see. If you don't know what I'm talking about, everything changes and yet nothing changes. See, we turn off the lights, the room is completely different. We turn it on, it's completely different. Everything's changed and yet nothing has changed. If you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know about you, but my childhood got better. Didn't change. My family got better. They didn't change. 
The jerks on the 401 started to drive better. They didn't change, but I changed and how I saw them changed. And as a result of relying on that light, I can see how I can clean up those fears and I don't have to live in them anymore. And then I deal with the cats and I become a, you know, come up with an ideal so that I can be a responsible spiritual pet owner in the future. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I never have to live that way again. And then when I sit down with God and another human being, that's when I, in the fifth step, that's when I get all that garbage, all that mess out of the house. And I take it to the curb. And step six and step seven is all about becoming willing and then asking for the cosmic garbage man to come and take it away. And if you're struggling with a conception of a power greater than yourself, I mean, spiritual 1-800-GOT-JUNK guy. You know, that'll work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. No, no, you're good. I'm the problem. (laughs) Don't look at him. Focus, guys. Focus up. (laughs) And so what do I do from there? From there, I'm willing to have these things removed, but I can see that I've caused damage to my neighborhood. I've caused damage in the lives of others, and I go out and I repair that damage done. And you see steps 10 and 11, what they're about is about continuing to keep my house clean. And I got to keep my house clean for, for three reasons. Now, the first reason I got to continue to keep my house clean is, I don't know if you saw it when I got here. It was bad. Like, thank God we don't have a spiritual HOA because I would be in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, it was bad. And if it ever gets as bad as it does that way and I'm back in that darkness and I'm cut off from that light, I will drink and use again. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That is my reality. So that's one of the reasons I got to continue to keep my house clean. And the other is that it turns out I got a roommate. I got a spiritual roommate. I don't live alone. You know, it talks, what we read on page 25, that our creator has entered in our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. See, deep within that house is a room, and in one of those rooms is a place, one of the places in which God resides. And if I keep that house clean, I get to know that power better. I get to have an experience. See, this thing is not about what I know. It's not about what I think. It's not about even what I feel or believe. It is about what I experience as the result of the actions that I take. And I get to have an experience of a loving God that I did not, I did not want and I did not think was possible. Now, The third reason I've got to continue to keep my house clean is because my life depends on helping you. My very life depends on helping you and showing you how you can keep yours clean. And I can't do that if I don't continue to keep mine clean and have practice. I can't tell you how to get the leaves out of the eaves troughs if I've never done it. My life depends on helping you. And not just, man, i got to work with others because I'm going to relapse if I don't. I get to work with others and it is given by life meaning and purpose beyond anything I could have imagined. I hated myself when I got here. And I hated myself around here for a little while too. I, I hated myself with a passion. Like I have a, I have a friend and, and she uh, was saying, Paige, you were the most negative self-deprecating person I ever met. That's who I was. I would suck the energy out of the room. That's who I was when I got here. But that's not who I am today. And that's because I continue to do this work and my life has meaning and purpose. My dark past becomes my principal asset. I get to be a small small part of the miracle in the lives of those about me. 
The worst things I've ever done, the worst things I've about who I am are transformed into gifts and into blessings that I can use to help another human being. And man, if you haven't had that experience yet, what I want you to know is let us help you. It's not just my life, it's our lives depend on it. It doesn't take long to get well. Let us help you have this experience. You do not want to miss it. So thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share and to hopefully give something back. Thank you. Thank you.